in front of him. Crowder looking, throws it alley. Oh! Cold open question, Brendan Clean to start the January 10th episode of the Just Basketball Show. Shaquille O'Neal will soon become the first Orlando Magic player to have his jersey retired. The first in franchise history. That leaves two franchises, the Los Angeles Clippers and the Toronto Raptors that do not have retired jerseys. Let's start with Toronto. We're going to answer these for both. Who should be the first person retired for the Toronto Raptors? I think there's an obvious answer here, but I want to know what you think. It has to be Kyle Lowry. It has to be Vince Carter. No, it has to be Kyle Lowry. Who won a championship? Who is who is responsible for, in a lot of ways for the Raptors becoming a franchise people recognize for the growth of popularity of basketball in that city. He's ahead of Chris Bosh. He he's comes before all of these guys in a way that I think makes him just really important to the history of the organization in a way that I think feels fitting with the rest of them. Kyle Lowry should be number two. Don't get me wrong. Do him on the same night mm-hmm. for all I care if you want to just get to it out of the way. But I think for the historical and kind of societal impact on the franchise, much less the, and he did win everything, obviously, but I think you got to go Vince first because Vince is so Vince and Raptors fans, I think hate each other. There is a oh, secret base to... video called Vince Carter once uh-huh. feuded with an entire city. There's an athletic mm-hmm. article called why many Raptors fans refuse to forgive Vince Carter, a sports net <laughs> column where a guy was like, no, it's time to forgive Vince Carter. Uh, I don't think, all right, so I don't think Kyle that Lowry. one's going to happen. I'm just here to mend fences in a in a complicated world, Brendan. I mm-hmm. I want peace in our time. Um, so I'm but hey, I mean, look, Shaq and the Magic haven't always had the greatest relationship, and saying. he left for the Lakers on you know difficult circumstances. We'll say back when that wasn't even a thing, and Shaq just kind of made it happen. So uh, crazier things have happened. The Clippers, it's Chris Paul. Yeah, I think it's Chris Paul, but I, I went when I did a rabbit hole for this, and I was thinking about it. Number one, their history is really funny because they were the the Buffalo. They were in Buffalo before this, so it's like a lot of guys that were with them in that span of organization. But that this the Clippers have like no connection to them. The one that is kind of obvious in a Vince way, which to me makes it funny in terms of the the friction. Let's say is Blake Griffin mm-hmm. because Blake is obviously very important. He's a Clipper for, for life. Well, I mean, we all anyone that was on the internet about the time he got he went back to the Clippers, then got traded to the Pistons like six months later, remembers that they said we're gonna hang your jersey up here one day, my guy. Let's sign up. Let's spend the rest of your career here. You're a Clipper for life. And then he becomes a Detroit Piston, then has bounced around the league, you know, ever since. And his career was never quite the same. Although he had some really good moments in Detroit for sure. Blake mm-hmm. would be the one if you wanted to be like, hey, this guy was the start with him us getting him out of Oklahoma. You yeah. know, him being like this star, this dunker, this like real catalyst for us in the broader pop culture. He would be the one in that way. But I think Chris Paul is the right answer because it's it's the point guard. So just give it to the point guard. Is anybody currently on the Clippers going to get their jersey retired by the team? There's only two options, right? But yeah, Norm Powell and Ivy Kazubach, obviously. Mm-hmm. Norm for sure. It'll be Chris PJ and Tucker? Norm. Who hasn't played and hates it? I mean, if if the if Kawhi wins a title for the Clippers, if because they pull it off and they win a title, 
then give Ka- and it's Ka- like Kawhi drives it. Retire Harden's jersey at that point for all I care. <laughs> yeah, retire them all. If they retire win a title, it's it's one of those where similar to the Raptors, that whole team is just they're made men. But we're a long you, way from you, there. But I think there's if a couple- Kawhi or PG were to stay for another contract, you're talking yeah. about like eight years potentially. You know, if they were to play like a whole additional three, four years mm-hmm. on, on a new deal. Like you're getting into the territory of no matter what they accomplish, that's just a superstar that kind of defined the franchise, but you know, they kind of probably need to win something, which is the thing with the Blake part. If it's like, how many, how many people can you enshrine from a team who peaked in the second round? That's tough. Yeah. Blake, I, they, there are just, there are, the only thing I'll say before we go to the real show is there are a lot of franchises around the league, including the one in my backyard in Cleveland, Ohio, that have a lot of jersey retirements that are sentimental to some degree. Like Austin Carr was a really high draft pick for the team. He's still the voice of the team. But that's not a guy that ultimately had like a Hall of Fame NBA career. Sure. Um, you know, like I Suns have a lot of those too. <laughs> yeah, like Bingo Smith has one trying to average 13 points a game, you know, like with the Cavs. Like Nate Thurman played two seasons with the Cavs. He's in the NBA's top 75, but. In, he averaged five points and six rebounds a game in two seasons with the Cavs, even if he's an all-time legend. Like Some of these teams do stretch it a little bit to just get some jerseys yeah. retired. Yeah, The Clippers are kind of in that zone. Not everyone could be the Lakers or the, or the Celtics, I guess. No. All right. On today's show, John Morant's injury, what it means for him, what it means for the Grizzlies. Teams that could be one trade away from contention, and we're going to draft... First-time All-Star possibilities. That's all coming up today on the Just Basketball Show. Welcome in to the Just Basketball Show for January 10th. I'm Chris Manning. That is Brendan Clean. If you haven't already, please subscribe. Hit follow on your podcast app platform of choice. Give us five stars only. And hit subscribe on the Just Basketball Fan YouTube channel. Give us a follow on TikTok as well at Just Basketball Fans on our Instagram, all of the great social media platforms. I want to tell you about our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Thrive is a player prop DFS platform where you can pick more or less on your favorite players across sports, across multiple sports, including the NBA and the NFL. You can sign up today with our code Just Basketball and Thrive will match your first deposit up to two hundred and fifty dollars. If you want some insight on some props you could perhaps do, follow us over on TikTok. Again, that's at Just Bebo Fans. Myself, our guy Kobe Olsen, five days a week during the week. We're going to be doing prop videos in addition to all of our other great TikTok content and giving you some some props. Hashtag not gambling advice. Shout out to Peter Appel. But we're out here. We're having fun with it. I and I did go three for three the other day. So you know what? Speaking of TikTok, did I? Uh, I don't know if you watched my Joel Embiid breakdown video, Chris. Oh, I but did. people thought I I, did. people thought I was a little too harsh. Thoughts? Was I? Did I crush him for a bad game? I mean, I think those are those are games Joel's not supposed to have anymore. And if he keeps having them, then that team's you know they're they're going to have to consider some things in the next month or so, as we'll get to with the trades later on. Brendan, one I and I mean this endearingly, and I say and so I'm going to mm-hmm. say this, and it's going to one thing I really enjoy about you is that you mm-hmm. just say how you're feeling. You, you give the mm-hmm. analysis you're feeling. There's no sugarcoating shit. And you're just, mm-hmm. you're speaking your truth. You're speaking your truth in that TikTok. It's valid. Okay. You know? We'll see. We'll see what happens. I just think that's yes. a, you know, it's an iffy matchup. It's, it is what it is. I can't, can't lie to the people. They play somebody on Wednesday who is another interest. Oh, no, they play the Hawks. Okay. I lied to myself. 
Maybe I was looking too far ahead on the schedule, but uh, yeah. Hawks, we'll see what Embiid looks like. The Atlanta Hawks, who could trade everyone but Jalen Johnson and Trey Young, and maybe they should also just like only keep Jalen Johnson. Talk topic for another another day. Yeah, maybe uh, I'll do John another Murray. TikTok about how he destroys Clint Capella, and then I'll make the people happy. Balance it out a <laughs> yeah. little. Yeah, just even on even as all things should be. All right, to start with the John Moran injury, Brendan, he's going to have surgery on a torn labrum. He's done for the year. This now just feels like a lost season for the Memphis Grizzlies. They're going to finish with a bad record. They're not going to make the plane where they were surging towards. Ja was suspended, comes back, had some real moments of brilliance. They had some good wins, and now he's gone. You don't get a lot of real tangible data on how adding Marcus Smart to this group really all functions together. Certainly some positives, I think, the last couple of weeks, but it's not enough to, I think, really draw big conclusions about how you build going forward. You know, None of your young guys, I think, have really popped on top of that. It's been a very just blah year for them in so many ways ever since they get out of the playoffs last year and then all the Jaw stuff and then now this. This just feels like one of those years I think they got to throw it in the trash and come back next year. Hopefully Jaw's healthy by the start of the next season. You figure out your roster. I think there's some interesting decisions to make as they go ahead here. But am I being too harsh in this case about saying that this is a lost season no, of for the course. Grizzlies? Of course it's lost. They were like 6-19 and 19 or something when he came back. So if they even just did that again, they're not going anywhere. And I think when that reality hits for any NBA team, that's a situation where it absolutely makes sense to tank, right? So I, you know, I don't think tanking means trading Bain or Jaron Jackson, but... Everybody else outside of those two and Ja, I think you're you're in a position now where you have to contemplate what the trade market could look like for them. And I think that's the place I start. Canard, Marcus Smart, gone. Come one, come all. Well, can give we us your best the, offer. Let, let's talk about the smart part of it because I could see a mm-hmm. world where you don't want to trade him because you believe he's important to you culturally. That same, same reason you yeah. got him in the first place, right? Yeah, and I don't think this team next year is going to come back and be like, okay, we you know, we had last loss last year. Let's now slide back to some degree. We traded Marcus for picks and and what like if you trade Marcus, you're then having I think made to make another move with what you get for Marcus, which I think yeah. is kind of a tricky a tricky line to walk there. There's not a lot I think that you can kind of nail right. Certainly, I, I don't think there. There's certainly, I think, some risk in just keeping Marcus Smart and just not trading him to a team that could give you something. Um, contract wise, yeah. you do have him for two more years anyway, so it's not like he, you're in, in a in a rush and it's at a pretty and he's affordable. Not, and he, mm-hmm. yeah, it's affordable. It's twenty million next year. There's twenty one point five the year after. That's that's pretty reasonable in this current cap situation. So I just don't know if I would be in a rush to him. Kennard. Let's start. Let's get the bidding in. You know, let's let's get what I can get for Kennard now, yeah. and and a lot of other stuff. But I I don't know if I would be so sure that it's the right move to trade Marcus Smart right now if I'm them. So Kennard is a nice one because he's technically on an expiring contract. The team that acquired him could either decline his team option at 14.8 or maybe they value it but it gives the receiving team some flexibility i'm not convinced he is a deep round playoff guy so i don't know what exactly seems like shooters like that chris end up going to mediocre teams more often than we realize because they kind of want a floor raiser for their 
maybe first time playoff group or something like that. I don't think we often see like a huge bidding war for those types of players, even though we think of them. Oh, all these teams are one shooter away. It's like, okay, but how much are they really going to give up? I think smart to me. It's that's what I was getting at, too. I don't think it's trademark is smart tomorrow or Mm -hmm. even force yourself into a corner where you are dead set on dealing him. But I just look around the league and whether it's the Lakers, the Mavs, the fact that he is pretty similar to some of these guys we're starting to see like a Drew Holiday or Utah with Chris Dunn, this like trend of using these somewhat offensively limited smaller players who can guard up as pseudo forwards. I just look at that trend and the value of players like that and think smart could do that for any contender. And I think I would be pretty excited about it. So I could see some significant offers coming their way to maybe even get them above what they gave up for him in the first place. And then I think it could be worth it. But I think that brings us to the bigger question which is their own pick and their own plans for this summer and what direction they want to take the roster because they're probably headed for a middle of the first round pick or middle of the lottery pick, I mean to say. Maybe at worst. I mean, I don't know if they'll really crack into the kind of worst four teams in the league that have already had a head start on them getting to the top of the lottery. But let's say they get the even the seventh pick. That's pretty valuable, even in a weaker draft class. Do you use that to draft somebody and get you get get yourself another young weapon to? improve a roster that I think we frankly all kind of know is is bumping up against its ceiling or does that give you maybe the best available type of asset in a potential star trade in the summer I it's kind of a lot of ifs and hypotheticals Chris but I guess in a vacuum do you prefer a veteran star for this group or another young developing star that can maybe extend their window so I, Brendan, when I when we started thinking about doing this and, and started thinking about this pick, I think there's obviously just a clear idea to trade it for something more established and go get the thing you've needed and just pay for it and just accelerate that in a real way. Mm-hmm. And I do think there there's some risk in that. There's also some risk in keeping the pick and doing it that way. I think two timeline stuff and getting someone who's not ready when Ja... And Jaron and those guys, are, they're not on the clock per se, but it's time to kind of accelerate it. But then I also went and looked at big boards. Raphael Barlow's at Substack, a, a bunch, ESPN's obviously, a bunch of other ones. And if yeah. it's Matthias Buzelis, if it's Ron Holland, if it's some of these other forwards that are going to be in the lottery that maybe have also slipped a little bit and aren't going to be the best guy in these class in this class that probably aren't necessarily going to be the number one pick or anything like that yeah i think there's a world where you're at if let's say you're at six and one and there's a chance one or two you could pick between one or two of those guys or even just one of them is there that's a really good chance to just get a blue chip guy who's going to be in the positional body size type you're kind of looking for in this team like they're and and if you think about what they need, okay, we kind of think OG and Anobi's off the board. I don't think Mikhail Bridges is really going to 
be on the board as far as a trade option, I wouldn't think. Maybe if they bowl them over, but we kind of talked about how Brooklyn might go in the other direction and go after like a Donovan Mitchell type. What other player that's like we and again someone will come available, but for what they need, it's just that's also kind of a thin line to me of, of a balancing act. You figure out what you're going to need. So I would be tempted to keep the pick and and not rush to trade it right now. Certainly wouldn't trade it at this deadline. I'd be waiting until to the draft or closer to, and seeing how yeah. the board breaks, do some scouting, and if someone that you like, whether it's Holland or someone else, is going to be there, maybe you just take that guy. And you bank in your development, and you go swing on a higher level prospect, and you have so far to fill this need that you have on your roster right now. And that'd be another reason you want Marcus Smart around and maybe mentor this young guy coming into the league. I would tend to agree with you. It just sucks that this happened in a year where the draft class is thought to be a little weaker. And even the guys yes. that you're talking about are guys who were at the top and have now fallen. And that can yes. be good or bad. But Holland and Buzelis, both Ignite guys, were were supposed to be competing for number one. Mm-hmm. And so you're kind of taking like the stock fallers in what was already not a great draft. You know what I mean? So that would give me pause. The other thing that would give me pause, frankly, is if I'm Grizzlies ownership, why do I trust this front office to nail this pick? Yeah, I mean, outside of Bain and Jaron, but we've gone through that. The recent history is not great, and they've been picking at the end of the first round. I get it, but would it be crazy if they fired the general manager? I don't. I don't really know why you would, except for the pressure of nailing this offseason and wanting the right person to be at the controls. I don't know. I'm just putting that out there that these types of franchise shifting off seasons tend to come with a lot of pressure and sometimes more change than we're expecting. So wouldn't be the craziest thing if they shuffled some part of the front office in order to make this pick because the scouting past of this franchise is a little, a little checkered recently, whether that's David Roddy or Zaire Williams or whatever one you, Jake LaRavia, whatever one you want to point to. So a a shaky draft, Outs picking outside the top three, outside the top five, but a lot of pressure to nail the pick. That that's that's not an easy path to walk either. Yeah, I mean, like, does you could extend that? I think that logic to Taylor Jenkins as well. Like, do they just say, okay, it's time for a reset? And that's not totally fair, but that's the see that one. I think NBA. I just think like you have a question in here on our notes of what is this year proven? I think mm-hmm. it's proven he's a really damn good coach because yeah, they I have agree. no reason I- being nearly as competitive even as they have been at times. And the way that he has kind of pushed the right buttons with the rotation to me and at least gotten enough from enough guys to be competitive, like imagine where they'd be with a bad coach. Yeah, 100%. I'm I'm with that more than I am the other way. Just it's sometimes stuff just happens and mm-hmm. I don't that's not always fair. Yeah. It's just does do they just decide to say, "Okay, let we need something entirely new." But that and it wouldn't be super fair to him to be to be quite honest if they did end up going that route. No. I no. I mean, I think I think aside from that, the other thing Brennan, the other thing that I think we've learned is that Desmond Bain's legit. Oh yeah. Desmond Bain is in fact really good. I still don't think we can project about how him John Marcus really work, but he on on high volume this year, he's averaging nearly 25 a game, nearly 40% from 3, 
a career best mark on twos at 56%. He's putting up yeah. real numbers, was the engine of an offense for a long time. And I don't think he's your lead lead guy. But this is just, I think, of now of a guy I feel better about than I did coming into the year that has taken some kind of a step forward. And that is something. I How he gets to flex it the rest of the year will be interesting. How much they want to push Jaron Jackson Jr. on offense will be another part of this equation as well, I think. And it's not, you know, look, it's not like this offense has been unbelievable this year. Like, they're 30th, off, they're 30th in offense. Like, this team has been, when they've won games, it's been defensively more than anything else. But yep. raw counting set-wise and how it looks, I think Bain's been legit, and I think you'd want to push that, and I think you want to push Jaron to learn more about both of those guys on their offensive, on the offensive side the rest of the way. That's kind of where I look and, and what I feel like we've learned so far. Yeah, more of the same, more of what we saw when Ja was suspended. Now he's injured, but it's going to be the same recipe. They're going to be relying on those two guys a lot and, and lose a lot of games, but I think those reps will be valuable. I mean, the thing with Bain is just the numbers that I would look at are his true shooting percentage is almost the same as last year, despite a two percentage point increase in usage, hardly any increase in turnovers, and an eight percentage point increase in assist rate. So mm -hmm. he took on significantly more responsibility, his field goal efficiency and his turnover to assist ratio efficiency stayed the same. That's all you could ask for. And he's uh, he's a guy, you know, he's, he's more than earning his contract and everything else. I think what they need to kind of combine the two forks of the conversation that, that we've hit on, they need somebody. I mean, Mikael Bridges would be perfect, but he'd be perfect for every team. I think that mm -hmm. they need somebody who like they need what OG thinks he is. Right? Like, that's probably the best way to put it. They need the OG Ananobi that wants $40 million a year and thinks he's worth that and might very well be. Who the hell am I to say he's not going to be worth that? But that's what they need is a 3 and D plus, plus, plus type of player. And those are literally the most irreplaceable, valuable types of guys in the modern NBA. So, you know, welcome to the club, Memphis. You and everybody else needs one of those. But, like, imagine if they had somehow drafted J-Dub. You know, like that's yeah. the type of player that they have been waiting for. And I think it has to be better than just somebody who can defend and make threes. It has, it can't be Dorian Finney-Smith, right? It has to be a much better offensive player than that. And I think they need that because you said that their offense was awful this year. It certainly was. Their offense has been mediocre at best every year. And so that's a problem. Especially. Yeah, that's a problem even when Jaws around. So definitely a uh, very big summer for them with a lot of different options. Uh, suspect we will not be talking about them very much in the future. So well, we'll be talking our... about them in the next segment after this one. So <laughs> maybe that, maybe then we'll be done after that. Yeah, then uh, after January 10th, it might be closer to draft season. If they make it, maybe they do something crazy at the deadline. Who knows? Brendan, let's move on to teams that are one move away from contention. But first, want to tell you about our friends at Homage. Homage is the ultra-comfortable specialty apparel company with NBA and WNBA licenses that uses vintage-inspired designs to be homage to the greatest stories, traditions, and figures across sports, music, and pop culture. Use our link below to make your purchase and support the Just Basketball Show. I have my eye burning on a particular piece of Homage merch right now. Have you seen their the jackets they have, the starter jackets? I have. I desperately want a Cleveland Brown starter jacket. I actually went to Google one the other day. Sold out of my in all sizes, in fact. When they're back in Browns stock, fever. I got the notification. 
Joe Fla- it's Joe Flacco over. season. It's Joe Flacco yeah. season. Over Flacco here, fever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. You got to get that alliteration right. When when I can, I'll be getting that Browns jacket from Homage. Maybe a Guardians one as well. A lot of great stuff over there in NBA and WNBA. So check them out. Use our link below again to support the Just Basketball Show. All right, teams one trade away from contention. Brendan Clean. We're gonna go back and forth, pick some teams that we want to talk about. I'm gonna give you first pick here. Who do you, who do you want to dive into here? Well, in the spirit of my no holds barred, violent opinion TikTok about Joel Embiid, um, let's go with the Sixers. Yeah, I like this. The more I think about them, as I stated uh, in that video about the game last week where they played the Knicks and Embiid, don't worry, got his 30 and 10, uh, kept that streak alive, played 36 minutes in a blowout to get there, but turned the ball over six times, had just three assists, didn't get calls in the second half, and Maxi just, you know, had a ordinary, not supercharged type of game. Those guys both were solid. And the Knicks got hot from three, and they lost. And I I just feel that type of game coming for them often in the playoffs if they don't get a little bit more on offense. Now, of course, we've been talking about with the Sixers for months now, since they, well, two months since they made the Harden trade, that they were going to be the most interesting team to watch come the deadline because they could either make a big move now or wait for the summer or try to do both. What are they going to do? Daryl Morey always pulls rabbits out of hats, but they at least need something on offense, I think, in order not to waste this season because I think that if they face most Eastern Conference teams, I just think they're going to run up against a limitation, maybe not till the second round, whatever, of how much they can really score to keep up with the best teams, the Bucks, the Celtics, you know, et cetera. So I just think they're a trade away because they need scoring of some variety. Mm-hmm. I've talked... Uh, I think, I know, you know, the Markkanen to OKC thing is catching everybody's attention. I'm not positive Markkanen gets dealt at this point because of how Utah's playing and the high asking price there. But somebody like that with a little bit of size to help insulate Maxi, but who can just put the ball in the basket. I think that's what they need. That's what I would be looking for. And I think there's probably other guys besides Markkanen that can check those boxes. I also think if you just I, and if you think about the Sixers practically and where they're at, and particularly where Joel Embiid is at, and right now he has knee swelling, and uh, the Sixers mm-hmm. SB Nation site has a headline which made me laugh when I read it earlier today, which was Sixers Joel Embiid bungling load management again. I'm floored! Exclamation point. Obviously sarcastic. You don't. You can't. This this is the number one team that hasn't gotten there yet. That has to just just take every year and pursue it in a, in a really aggressive way. Joel Embiid is 29 years old. He will be 30 before the playoffs start. I think you just owe it to him to do something. And he's been really good this year. Maxie's taken a leap. But I think you owe it to those guys, and especially to Embiid, to just say, you know what? We can't just wait for cap space, and we're going to bank on next year, and we're going to rely on you to drag us somewhere this year. I don't think that's fair to Embiid. I don't think that's fair to the rest of that locker room if I'm Daryl Morey. And oh, by the way, we're in a world now where NBA free agency 
isn't what it was. It just is not. Mm -hmm. NBA free agency in terms of getting stars with your cap space is not what it used to be. Maybe Paul George becomes available. Okay, that's fine. Maybe Kawhi becomes available. Okay. But it like Siakam, sure. It's like Drew Holiday's probably seeing a Boston. Tobias Harris, if you look at some of the rankings, is like the seventh best free agent in next year's class, and you have him on your team, and he's a guy you might whose contract you might use. What is out there in terms of free agency that is really going to be like the big pie for them at this? What is the big prize for them in free agency? Unless they, I just it's go probably. Find a deal. It's probably trading, making a trade where you take in a lot more salary than you put out. I think that's really yeah. what free agency kind of is in the NBA these days. Like that, that's mm. probably where Daryl Morey's head is at, you know, but that's not a sure thing either. Cause then, you, then you're relying on another team to play ball. You're not just signing a dude. It's not easy. Yeah, and, and it, you have, that's all very experimental. I think you just got to do something. I don't know exactly how aggressive they're going to be at this deadline. I don't really, I agree with you on the jazz. I don't really know. I never really know. Not sure if I ever bought them trading marketing in the first place. Um, and never know what they're going to do. No, Danny Ainge is out here. You can't see him. But I have some numbers for you, though, about the hit me the current thing, because I, I don't know if everybody necessarily would be in agreement that they're not going to be able to beat Milwaukee. I think most people probably would say they're not as good as Boston, but mm-hmm. Boston has some weaknesses. Joel Embiid looks a lot like one of their weaknesses, right? So, OK, maybe you even think that they can compete with the Celtics, but my case would be, with Embiid and Maxi both on the court, they have a 126 offensive rating, if we're rounding. Elite. Really, really good. With They're actually better if they're split up. The only Maxi minutes have been better than the only Embiid minutes, which is kind of interesting. I don't read too much into that. I think the pace that they play with when Maxi's out there by himself is just kind of a regular season, like, golden bullet a little bit. Uh, But when they're both off 109, they barely ever play with both off outside of when they're injured. And again, with only Embiid, it's only a 112 offensive rating. So to me, that spells only one of them on the court's not going to be good enough. There's going to inevitably be minutes like that in a postseason. You can't always have both of them playing 48 minutes, obviously. I'm not sure how much you can really rely on those only maxi minutes to survive when he's going through his first postseason as a number 1A, 1B, 2 type of option at his size, especially. So I just... They need it. I, I... I don't know if you have other targets, but besides marketing, but I thought of, I don't, I don't know if I actually like this. Uh, I don't know if it would happen, but CJ McCollum came to mind. I don't, I don't really like that for them just cause like, what is a Maxi McCollum backward in the playoffs? What are you like? You're, I, mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Is it? I mean, they have Melton. He he. I wonder what he is in the playoffs personally, because I think he's sort of a two position defender, and that yes. can that can lose value, you it, know, come postseason time. Is is McCollum a half position defender? <laughs> no, no, he's not. I I think I just have to say goodbye to John Collins being good anything so i just probably should not even bring him up here plus he kind of hampers their cap hopes and he's not worth doing that i don't think um boyan bogdanovich would be sort of the shoot low option 
Yeah. Does that I could, does I, that make them better? I think it makes them better, but it maybe not as it makes them better, but I don't know if I'm suddenly thinking they're more dangerous. I mean, you I think you have to kind of look at the the big names in the market and see, okay, is this a team is there a guy that's we think is available that would maybe even be worth the capsules for? I don't really know if Levine or Murray. So I have one. Siakam? I have one in that mold. No. Hit me. It sounds like they don't want Siakam. I feel like I've seen Philly, Siakam, yeah. no. Which, but it's which a month I, away. I also think that's... That I'm fine. I'd be fine with that if I'm them. I don't... Again, I'm, I don't really know if Siakam and Bede is exactly what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Damar. Hmm. Because I think he is sort of exactly the innings eater type of option. He's on an expiring contract and you probably can just sort of see if it works and you're giving up probably not much, meaning that if it doesn't, you probably just put him in a smaller role. He's an older guy, a vet. He probably doesn't love what that means for his looming free agency if he t- if his value kind of takes a hit, but is it really going to be that high playing with the Bulls? I don't know. And if it works out and he can survive on defense in the playoffs and maybe it is a little bit of a smaller role then, okay, your offense is probably a little more steady minute to minute, quarter to quarter, and you're not so dependent on Maxi getting hot or trying to put Embiid and Maxi out there together as much as you like physically can without their, you know, hearts breaking. You know what I mean? Like, because they're exhausted by the time as the Liberty Ballers article you mentioned indicated by the time the playoffs come around. So you could probably get him for like Morris and Covington and a pick or something like that. How how about Morris, Korkmaz and House? Great. Even better. Furkan Korkmaz finally freed, you know? At long last, his trade request comes to fruition, and he gets to play with the corpse of the Chicago Bulls. I don't, I don't mind that one. I think I'd like that more than honestly some of the big, big star trades they have. But it, I still think it leaves them in a position, obviously, to make a pretty a more aggressive move in the summer. That's a little more star hunty heavy, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. When we get there. But I, I, I'd li- I think I would honestly prefer that than like trading for Dejounte or something if I'm them, just because. I'm not sold on on the guys that are out there right now are exactly kind of what I want for them. I kind of thought maybe in listening to some stuff and thinking about it, maybe OG would have been their free agency target just to give them that big wing. But, you know, he's, I think it's probably going to stay in New York. So let's, I, let's yeah. leave the Sixers there. Mm-hmm. I, I like the DeMar idea, though, now you've said and kind of outlined it. I, I like the innings idea a lot for them just for the sake of the regular season. I want to go to the Golden State Warriors, Brendan, because there's just a lot going on with them. Right now, and I don't really even know if I believe they are one trade away because mm-hmm. they're just so much has been weird with this team this year. You know, they're 17th in, in net rating. Their offense is 18th on the season. They're facing an uphill battle if you just look at the standings to be in the plane race. They're currently 12th. The Jazz have surpassed them right now based on games played, I think, basically in the West. So they'd have to have like the Rocket, like two of of a several number of teams that I feel a little more confident in: the Lakers, the Rockets, the Suns, the Pelicans, the Matt. Like someone has to drop out out of that list, and that's a lot to ask, I think, to some degree. Mm-hmm. At the same time, 
They have Steph Curry, who's still very good. Draymond is now back. And now Chris Paul is hurt. And Chris Paul was secretly in, I think, a decent number of good lineup combinations for them. But now he's going to miss some time. Do you now have to trade Chris Paul to do something? Do you owe it to this team to go pursue something? What do you do about Andrew Wiggins, who's been very underwhelming this year? I just feel like this team is in prime position to get shaken up somehow. I just can't quite figure out, A, what it is, and B, what the the upside would be. It has to be Chris Paul, I think, right? So I don't... I don't think that they're one trade away in the sense that they have one hole that could be filled by one solid player and that would make me think that they're a title threat. Right. But I think they could be one trade away in the sense that one more reliable guy, if he fit well, could click the other, could have like a domino effect, right? Where all the other stuff kind of. People have to do a little less. Lineups start to make more sense, etc. So, from that sense, I can sort of see it. I just am really struggling, and I, I'm probably too down on the kind of ability to go to Golden State and have it work out. But I think, like, most people probably are in my shoes right now with that because it feels like, whether it's Wiggins... Wiseman, Moody, not that I know, think Wiseman would have necessarily fit anywhere, but he's on this list. And now Kaminga with the latest kind of troubles that he's having. Mm-hmm. Who do you even look at around the NBA and think, oh, that would work out? <laughs> like, how can you confidently say that they will go to the Warriors and it will click? I don't, like, I can, I can, like, imagine this and that guy like I think we all sort of okay maybe Siakam like I personally think Kuzma could make a little bit of sense there could play the way that they want but like how are you supposed to confidently feel good about it and how are they supposed to more importantly than whatever the hell I think yeah that's that's the part is I I don't understand what you're elevating towards with any kind of deal with them that's I think the hardest part you could tell me let's say they get Siakam I think there would be some stuff to figure out in, in him as a Kerr guy and in, in the way he wants to play. I think that would be a little bit of an interesting change of pace for them, which I don't think would be bad. But Kerr, obviously, at times has been somewhat resistant to playing that to kind of playing guys that aren't exactly in the mold he's looking for, which I think is yeah. tough and it makes his heart too. You know, I don't think like getting a big who just has better working limbs than Kavon Looney at this point is like solving you <laughs> like a ton. Like what? What is that? really getting you so i i'm with you i i think there's there's some and there'd be some benefit of just reshuffling the deck chairs but a are you getting good value back even are you in a spot where it is going to elevate you in some significant way i don't think we i i think you're right in saying it's hard for them to know that much less us to know that and i don't think there's one specific skill set to your point that is solving all this like if you got siakam great is that like what is your best five then it doesn't fix your concerns about clay or fix your concerns about some of your defensive upside or fix the loony thing or how do and then how do him and draymond fit together what are you getting back not if when draymond comes back there's just so many variables that i think any kind of trade you know that meme where the guy like 
like throws something in the pot and then he like runs away because the flames really high and then he watches it like oh, like implode in front of him or like and it explode like or like you put a mento in a diet coke and you're just waiting for it to explode you're kind of just waiting for the explosion yeah. you just want to see how big the explosion is ultimately if you do something here so i don't have a, i agree with all that and, and that makes me not have a great candidate uh to go there now outside of the ones i already said but it made me think like they should have been the Porzingis team. I love that take. Love this take. Love, love, love. He would have been. They were involved in that trade actually, which is makes it even funnier. Yeah. That was the pool trade. But mm-hmm. they should have gotten Porzingis. They should have tried to get Porzingis because I think he has turned himself into somebody that can really affect games without the ball, without needing to be the centerpiece of a game plan on either end and can still really be a nightmare for the opponent because of his improved post-up game, because of his improved, I think, feel defensively. I would say even the way that he played with Beal and Kuzma in Washington was a lot more Warriors-y than I think the way he's playing in Boston, but he was doing dribble handoffs and, you know, inverted pick and rolls and post up as a playmaker stuff and a whole bunch of things that feel very golden state to me. And he, I think could have slipped in. It's kind of a useless imagination to have because he's not going to go to the golden state warriors. He's going to maybe win a championship with the Boston Celtics, but he's a perfect example of what we're talking about. I don't know if there's another Porzingis somewhere though, that I'm missing. I don't think there is. I mean, there's not, are they like could be a Markkanen it. team. Markkanen's kind of a Porzingis, not quite as tall, obviously. But do do they have the assets to go do that though? You know, like Porzingis. It depends on what it. people think of their young guys, right? Do the Jazz yeah. like Kaminga? Yeah, I. Are you also like just gonna like eat John Collins on the way back too? Or they like what? Like what is I don't this? Think trade? They have enough money to do that, but yeah, it's uh. I don't know. It's I don't not, know what the trade would look like, but like I, that's the type of, the, of guy that I would be looking for is a mismatch. Part, a mismatched killer who can shoot and has size. Here's the thing with the Porzingis trade that I think makes it a really good deal for the Celtics and in this specific way on top of all the other ones. That was a guy who was going to be on his fourth team when he traded for him, who had two left New York, didn't totally work out in Dallas, goes to the Wizards, and there's questions of, okay, is he putting up big stats on a bad team? Yeah. And you kind of got him at good value and, and at a weird point in his career. And that I think mm-hmm. allowed you to get something, get him at a price that wasn't exorbitant. If whoever, if anyone trades for marketing, it's going to cost them probably more than the dollar. It's going to, it's, you're going to get a little bit of an inflated price. I would imagine. It's like, are the warriors in a position? Like there's so many layers to what they could do. I, they might, maybe they're like a, a Detroit Bojan team just to like buy low and get another vet in there and get some more shooting. Like, I, I think I both teams we've talked about should call the Nets about Cam Johnson. Where is, so it's not quite watched, the caliber of some of the other guys we're talking about of you know yeah. Markinen or something, but well, and the Warriors, the Warriors too. Like, just I, I wonder how salary will come into them as far as any kind of trade. Mm-hmm. You know, like just because like they are gonna yeah. whatever happens with Clay, Second they already paid Draymond. They, they are going to be just a really expensive basketball team with the second apron concerns. Are they a team that is going to be willing to take more future money 
and willingly dive into that whole hog. That that's I think also a difficult conversation for them, and I think could impact what what they do here. And I'm again, I'm not sure that one trade actually no. solves this. All right, let's go to another team here. Who's your next one? Dallas. Let's do Dallas. As you know, uh, having done this with me for almost a year now, I'm obsessed with the Mavs. Um, I just endlessly imagine how to fix them. It it has been reported that they are not one of the Siakam suitors. Maybe they caught wind that he would not want to resign there. I'm not sure. Maybe they're playing hardball via leak to kind of negotiate in public. I don't know. Uh, on the positive side, the Mavs are creeping their way up the defensive standings in defensive rating. Mm-hmm which is building a better case that they could win maybe not the championship, maybe, I don't know, but they're much more competitive than we previously would have thought if their defense is closer to average than atrocious. They're fourth in defensive rating over the past two weeks. They're up to 17th overall. Uh, Tim Cato over at The Athletic wrote a pretty good story about their win over Minnesota, which I was catching up on before we recorded, and... It's just Jason Kidd defense. It's like we're going to be in everybody's mug and we're going to try to force turnovers and we're going to play risky and and hope that that works out for us. But they have a roster that can do that. So because of Luka and because of that defensive mentality, I think they're another team that is a little bit difficult to find a perfect match for. I also think there's a version of this season where playoff-wise – they're going to hit a ceiling simply because this is just going to become the playoffs where Derek Lively learned some lessons before he eventually dominates. How far can you go with a rookie center being so heavily involved? Can he even stay healthy enough to make the impact that he needs to? He's been in and out of the lineup in his first year. But I think if they could get a an improvement on the wing, somebody to push you know, the Exums and the Josh Greens and the Derek Joneses into even smaller roles, they could really do something. So kind of back to the same types of candidates, three and D guys, probably a little more on the D side than the three side. But if they could do that, I really do think that they could be somebody to surprise in the West because they've been really good and this is probably Luka's best season ever. So is this a Bojan team to you? Is this a Bogdan Bogdanovich team to you? Like who do you do you have a name? If in mind, I, they've been linked to Jeremy Grant as well, which would be a kind mm-hmm. of a, a very a much more aggressive kind of long term play for this group. Is, is there? Yeah, is I there wouldn't mind. That you seem to like. Wouldn't mind Jeremy Grant. I think he kind of wants to score. A little too much for somebody that plays with Luka and Kyrie. The name that came to mind for me with them was DeAndre Hunter. Could playing with Luka make his offensive life a little easier? I don't know if he wants an easier offensive life or maybe thinks he's ready for a more difficult offensive life. He's a hard one to crack there. And, you know, could Jason Kidd in a little bit more of a simplified role on a more structured team 
help him be 15% better than he's been. His contract is probably more than what you'd like to pay the Atlanta version we've seen of him, but it's not some sort of max that they're having to, you know, really account for. And Cuban has to sell some more shares to find the money. Like this is a, this is a totally reasonable 20 ish million dollar a year type of situation. I, that one caught my eye when I was kind of combing through the league. I don't know if he is super available, but it sounds like everybody in Atlanta is. So he's the kind of combo forward that I think is a little more playable on offense than some of their other options have been. What about them as a Cam Johnson team? I guess they already sure. kind of have Grant Williams and stuff. So like, do you need another guy in that kind of frame? And I kind of almost sometimes want like Grant to play more for them when I watch them. Um, I mean, Grant I and about them Cam and- can play together. I don't think they're very similar. I think, I think Cam yeah. is also kind of like we were saying with Mikael Bridges. Cam can play with anybody. He's a big shooter that mm-hmm. can survive on defense. He could go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. For them. the other Brooklyn name that I thought, but it's it's kind of defeats the purpose of having Derek Lively, who has been really intriguing. Just like, would they be a team that just goes and gets Nick Claxton and be like, well, we'll pay Nick Claxton. That's fine. Because he would kind of be awesome for them. But is that... Before kinda... the Lively pick, I think I would have said yes, but they're very similar yeah, guys, I think. Li- I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, and I think Lively's been good enough where you can kind of ride this out and maybe just go get a backup center on the fringe in short minutes out. Claxton way. is you the could... big... Claxton's like quietly a really interesting case because he signed this two-year contract where he they don't have bird rights fully on him, I don't think, and or maybe they do, but there's a, I, I, there's some sort of limitations to whatever his next contract can necessarily be, which kind of I believe would restrict the value of them going above and beyond to keep him. He's also had a down year. Seems like he's not mm-hmm. quite as great when Kevin Durant's not helping him out, so. Him being traded would be super interesting because I think he is has a world of potential. It's just about yes. where he kind of discovers that potential, uncovers that potential. But what's your uh, what's your last team here? The last team will hit on. Where do I want to go? This is go to Miami Heat. Let's let's just play a classic. Mm-hmm. I think you could have gone with the Pel. There's some other, here's the other teams that we just have on the list. I guess Lakers are on there. The Pelicans, the Kings, our our beloved Sacramento Kings, who now have a negative point differential at the current moment. Tough. Got blown away by the Pelicans minus Zion on Monday. Rough. <sighs> Not great. De'Aaron Fox could shoot all straight in the. But the Miami Heat are just good, and they don't feel that far away to me from. Just being another like a team that is in the Eastern Conference Finals and making Celtics fans freak out if not making the finals again. Like it just feels like it's there. And I, I, Brennan, how would you feel about Terry Rozier for them? Just don't go. You you don't go whole in on getting like a, going for a Donovan Mitchell trade or something. You probably just revisit that in the summer if it comes to it. I think that's where the Mitchell trade is going to end up anyway. If it if and when it happens. But just get another score. Get another guy who can handle the ball. Eat some innings for you now when Jimmy inevitably misses some time. And just get a get a guy who's not going to be afraid in late-game situations, gives you another ball handler, will, will, I think, fit the culture, so to speak. He's averaging like 24 a game this year in, in Charlotte. Will, be I think, be motivated to play on like a good team for the first time in a while. Like Something like that, to me, would make sense for Miami, and it wouldn't be the, the most expensive trade. Other ways you could go through, like maybe just go get another big. Do you do you star hunt or do you sneak in there for someone out of nowhere and, and swerve when no one expects you to? But that's kind of where my brain went. I just think this team is really good, and I think 
every year I just want them to be as aggressive as possible and maximizing whatever window they have while Jimmy is still Jimmy Butler. Yeah, they're an interesting one because they're not really a team that has made... It feels like the only real moves that they make are really big ones, mm-hmm. right? Like they just trust themselves most of the time. So it's like, who's the biggest? They they got Iguodala and Crowder that one year and they almost got Gallo. So that was kind of probably the closest you would say of like really pushing your chips in that we've seen them do. But even in the big three era, they might not have had much to trade, but they didn't really do that. And so I kind of just feel like if if you're talking about like a Rogier caliber player, to them it's probably like, well, maybe Hawkes just scores a little more as he gets better. You know what I mean? Or like Drew Smith or Jamal Kane, they're two-way guys, like just pick it up. Like I just think that's seems to be their mentality, but I obviously like the idea of more offense for them and they lost Gabe Vincent. I don't really trust Josh Richardson, even though he's had a decent year and had a good close to last season. So I wouldn't be opposed to that, but I just don't know if they'll feel like giving stuff up for somebody that's not like a huge difference maker. It is really worth it. And I, I don't fault them for that. They made the finals twice with uh, not yeah. much addition, you know? Yeah, I'm. It's it's unclear to me what exactly they're getting. I mean, you there's some there's been some very pivotal trades for them in small moments and moves they made in season. But they're it's often just like finding guys that that end up becoming important for you later. Like if you go to twenty one twenty two, that's the year they you know they end up signing Duncan Robinson, Struess, and Vince into multi year deals. Like your the year before that, you're finding a lot of these guys and like Haywood Highsmith uh, just on the fringe. Like Haywood Highsmith, they just ten days last year, and it's like sure like that's cool we're just gonna mm-hmm. find you in, in season and that just kind of ends up being your biggest move like they you're right mm-hmm. they don't make these they big... get buyout guys you know kevin love yeah. but they don't you know they don't yeah. get their seventh man in february typically and they don't pay a premium for it and i could see a world where like a lot of the trades we make are just like teams doing like protected first and i feel like miami's gonna want the full arsenal available for if and when they do decide to just go for it you know like that's kind of the the tricky part um I would just like to see them do something just to bolster this roster a little bit. You know, I'm, I'm flipping through basketball reference. If people haven't looked is has a really nice page uh, where you can just flip through a bunch of the different deals and like go through their a team's transactions every year. And you're right. It's 2020 is like the last big in season trade they made. That's yeah, the I mean, trade. The other part is they haven't been, healthy this year. So Caleb Martin and Haywood Highsmith have missed time. Bam missed a little bit of time. Jimmy always is in and out. So that's the other reason it's sort of because they handle the roster that way in the regular season and they just trust their depth to win them games. It, I don't think that they don't have a read on their roster, but it makes it hard to like analyze what they would think that they would need because they're going to have the most information about, Oh, well, you know, in Eric Spolstra's brain, their team really clicks when Caleb Martin is in in the lineup and and doing his thing. Maybe they just see Caleb Martin as their addition. You know, it's it's hard to kind of pinpoint. So, I agree. I would I would like a sort of guard scorer for them, but they've proven they don't really need that. 
necessarily. So they're a, they're a tough one to read. Yes. All right. We'll end that there. We'll see what teams make more. We'll see which one of these teams get into slop of the week in future weeks. I'm sure someone at some point is going to dive deep in this and, and it will not be the Lakers. Before we move on, Brennan, just to, to name them, those are the teams we talked about that are one trade away, perhaps. Who are your inner belt NBA title contenders right now? I only have three. I have the Boston Celtics in the East. I have the Denver Nuggets in the West, who are the two betting favorites in each conference. And then I have the Los Angeles Clippers, who I believe are still behind the Suns in most sports books. Uh, They have beaten the Suns twice in the past week, so that's weird, but there they are. But that's my other Western team and and my only other team total. So the list is not long right now. And that's why, again, I do kind of think there will be a busy deadline, even if it doesn't look like it right now. I have the same three. I think the Celtics are the favorites. I think the Nuggets are right there with them, with their track record, with Jokic, with all of that. And I think the Clippers have proven how good they could be. I'm still scared to say or have any public faith in that team because history tells us it implodes that James Harden won't totally get there, all of that stuff. But if Kawhi ends up being healthy and they do all this stuff and... Ty Lue's the, the coach that he is, and I believe that he is. That team absolutely... I want to say one thing about the Clippers. like it, It's just health. Outside of Harden. This the is Clippers the Clippers part of it. This is one time the health thing for me, Brendan. My like off usual off. No, 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 no. Yeah, you're you're totally reasonable to say that. I I'm concurring with you, but I'm saying I think that like a lot of NBA fans sometimes will throw like, oh, it's the Clippers, lol, and it's like the last time that both Kawhi and Paul George were healthy deep into the playoffs, it didn't last. But that was 2021, and what they did to come back against the Jazz in the second round, even once Kawhi went down in that series, was pretty damn impressive to me. Like, more impressive than things a lot of teams we're talking pretty highly about have done with their current cores in the playoffs. So I think there's a little bit of because they're kind of a goofy team and we don't ever know what Kawhi's thinking and the the injury stuff gives us like an easy kind of way to and hard, turn it into hard, a joke. Harden Harden is so easy just to jab at and poke fun at for what for what James offers. Yeah, is. but he even before he got here, I feel like people kind of turned them into a laughing stock a little bit and it's like, all right, laugh, you know, if they're healthy, they'll they'll make you stop laughing, I think. They'll at least push any team. And so now the health part is clicked so far we'll see what the rest of it looks like but yeah to me i don't know what else they really need to prove they've pretty much been a top 10 offense and defense since their first little losing streak after harden got there they have a top eight that's all vets works really well together they have some moves they could make if they want to like looks like a title contender to me and ownership will be willing to spend Mm mm-hmm like Steve, if any owner is just going to throw money at something, Steve Ballmer. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to first-time All-Star possibilities to round out the show, Brennan. We've got we're going to draft names, we're going to pick someone, we're going to I think kind of speed around through these a little bit, go into detail more detail on some guys than others. Some names we talked about on the show, some we haven't on this episode at least. I've got a coin simulator that I'm going to do. We're going to flip, and then we'll go back and forth from there. But someone will get the first pick. Brandon, I'm going to I'm going to let you pick. Do you want heads or tails? Tails. 
it is Tails. You have the first name you get to bring up here that you'll claim on, on your side of this. Tyrese Maxey. You, 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 you did the smart thing. He's been awesome this year. He has been ascended this year. I think one of the lead creators in the league this year in a lot of ways. Yeah, he is averaging 26 points per game on uh, 59% true shooting, which is actually a little bit of a dip from last year, but obviously a huge bump in usage and assists. The crazy thing about Maxi and, and a lot of these guys, I know Halliburton gets a lot of attention for this, but it's true of Shea. It's true of Maxi. They do not turn the ball over. This guy turns the ball over on less than 7% of possessions. Mm-hmm. Like you look at some players who have the usage that he has, who are one of the top two guys on a team. And, you know, some star players are around like 15% turnover rate. He's less than half of that. Uh, and that's, that's really, really valuable. It doesn't always get closely looked at because it's not a, a sexy stat to check somebody's turnovers every night, but he just doesn't really make mistakes in that way. He's a dynamite three point shooter. He's capable with Embiid off the court. Not that all that stuff factors into like you know most beat writers like all-star ballots but you know when you're trying to find on the margins i think he's pretty much the most bulletproof case you could make here of any of the guys that could be first timers did you know who you had this in him no i didn't i mean i think when we did the preview i was not super duper high on them or I wasn't super high on him. I, I kind of just figured like Embiid plus solid depth was good enough. And he's he's played well enough to not be solid depth anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like Embiid and Maxi is what you say when you're talking about the Sixers now. Not Embiid and then Maxi and then the depth. Like he's elevated himself to kind of be at least a 1B and he can get better from here. So, But this season, I think he's kind of done everything you would want him to do. He has the wins he has the raw numbers he has the value it's all right there so i think he'll be a very very uh worthy first time all-star this season i'm going jalen brunson as, as my first one 26 a game 6.4 assists turnovers about where they were last year shooting pretty close to what he was last year when he was an all-star candidate as well that guy is just so trustworthy with the ball. He's developed into just a really great lead creator, a really great fulcrum of a team. I don't know if necessarily the best guy on a great team, but is on high volume, doing everything for that next team offensively to shepherd them and make them work. I'm blown away by the craft that he plays with, Brendan. I, I just think Brunson is one of those guys that should be done. He, he, he plays at a position that is obviously so stacked that sometimes guys get squeezed out. There's a reason Mike Conley, most famously, I think, took forever to make an all-star team, even though he was that good and could have made one. But I, I'm going to go Jalen Brunson here as someone who's very deserving to make his first all-star team this year. Yeah, we thought he blew up last year, and he's taken another mini leap this year. Six, 6.6 three-point attempts mm-hmm. per game, 44% on them. And it just sort of feels like his, you mentioned kind of the pace part of it. Like it just feels like he's in even more control. And I think we kind of started to see it in the playoffs last year. He had obviously some huge flashes against both Cleveland and Miami in the playoffs, but he's he's carried that forward taken more of the threes that he needs to take. And he's another one of these guys that does not turn the damn ball over ever. 
9.7% turnover rate. It's crazy to have the ball that much, be shooting that much and be that efficient with each and every possession. Like, and he's like the, what, 10th best guard in the NBA? Like we're in a insane era for this stuff right now. Mm -hmm. All right, who's your next one? All right, I'm going to go with, uh, speaking of guards, I will go with Desmond Bain. Yeah. We talked about him, so we don't have to elaborate too, too much, but might even help his case that Ja went down again because it'll just kind of become more obvious that all of his numbers are in the context of just this awful team, you know, and to be as efficient as he's been and productive as he's been with nothing most nights around him offensively is super impressive. So I think he's kind of due in that way. And we don't normally see awful teams get all-stars, but we know they're not truly that bad. And he has a reputation and pedigree that he'll bring. So I think he's sort of on the cusp of whether he would actually make it in, but I think he has the best case of the guys left. I'm going to go Paolo Bancaro with my next one. I am picking him as my Orlando of the two Orlando guys. I think you can make an argument for here. He's taken a big leap as a shooter. He's at 46.1% from the field this year. He's up to 38.5% on threes. He was at 30% last year. He's a bruising scorer. I think he's really hard to, he's even harder to guard now. His assists have jumped to nearly five a game from 3.7, with the turnovers only going up a half per game. That's a really impressive jump for me. This is just a budding star staring us in the face on, on one of the more fun young teams in the league to watch on a night to night basis. He kind of does it all right now. He's playing heavy minutes. The jump has been there, the, the offensive control and and feel for the game is there. I, I just love the season Powell is having, and I he's my, he's my pick here. Yeah, I like it. I saw some chatter online about how Paolo, the, the net rating with him on the court is a negative, and they're like a plus eight per 100 possessions, or plus 11 with him off. Just an interesting trend. But I do think that Orlando, especially, or I should say Paolo, during this stretch where Orlando has had to play one without Wagner, because I, it's probably only going to be one of the two that makes it. Mm-hmm. I probably would have leaned Franz before this, but now that he's been out and Paolo has been piling up these huge games, which they're being competitive. And in the case of the Denver game winning, I think mm-hmm. that'll help his resume. So he might've kind of taken the lead. If you're saying Orlando needs to have one all-star if they're in the top, you know, few of the East and which one of them is it going to be? I think Paolo might've kind of taken the lead there. So I like that. All right. Uh, staying in the East, Chris Epps, Porzingis, technically not a first timer fully. He's never played in the game. I kind of think the time he made it, I think it was a fan vote thing when he was on the Knicks and then he got hurt and didn't play in the game. So I'm not sure that one, you know, is that allowed? Can we, can we give ourselves yeah, the grace for, to, for, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Didn't play in the game. Doesn't count. Yeah. Shouldn't have made it either. I mean, come on. He was like his third season, and and he just got it because he played for the Knicks and is from Europe and probably had some, you know, Latvian votes coming his way. He played 48 games that season, 23 points per game, whatever. Okay. This year, he's the second most valuable player on the best team in the NBA. There we go. Yeah. Great answer. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I, I don't I think I think there's a chance the Boston Celtics get four all stars. I don't really know if it's gonna happen. They would be the first team since the twenty fourteen fifteen Atlanta Hawks. And I'm just gonna go to Derek White. The the captain of the of the bald guys 
one of the the winningest players in terms of how he plays and what he adds in the league this year. I I think honestly, due to a very good podcast hosted by a former NBA player, I think there has been like some unfair like online backlash to what Derek White is and in, in how he plays and what he's contributing. But that's just a winning player who does everything you could need. He's shooting the leather off the ball at all levels of the floor this year. He's at 16 a game, which isn't sound like a lot, but for him, that's a career best. It's a big jump from last year. He is, I mean, he's probably the fourth, he is, I think, the fourth guy on, on kind of what makes this team hum, but there's nights where he is absolutely instrumental, absolutely awesome, and he's just playing, I think, the best basketball his career on the best team in the NBA. So I just want to shout out there. He does all the stuff that wins you basketball games and can win you playoff series. So show him some love for that, and, and maybe they can, the Celtics can be a, a higher ceiling version of a Hawks team that could absolutely obliterate it in the playoffs that year. Just going to once again throw in that I think he might be the third most valuable player on the team, not the fourth. Brennan's but, trying to trade. Um, uh, Brennan's just out here trying to, to trade uh, Jalen Brown, and that'll be the second thing Jalen Brown has demanded an investigation for this week. Yeah, you I saw that, uh, correct? I did, yeah. But he did kind of smack him. I mean, yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> so, give him that one. Uh, all right, I will go with um, Alperin Shengun. Mm. We're talking about a 500-ish team that is in contention to make the postseason for in the Western Conference. Shengun is averaging 22, nine, and five on 54% shooting from the field. He has like a two-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. He's very clearly the best player on the Rockets to me. I don't even I think the more Not we close. watch this team, the the more clear that is, right? I think the one case you would make is even when he's on the court, their offensive rating is only 117. Not quite like the elite of the elite, but he's a young guy and they're winning anyway. And I think his defense has taken a step forward too. So if you're talking about a solid, valuable two-way player on a good team that's postseason bound, typically that player makes the all-star team. So it might seem kind of crazy that he would do it so quickly and he's not the flashiest dude. He's not the most hyped guy, but I think he could very easily be on a lot of people's ballots. I think it's very possible. I think it's interesting that he's the first guy from his draft class that we've come up with here. Um, not obviously mm-hmm. as high of a pick as a lot of the guys was a first rounder, but not the pedigree of some of the other guys. I'm going to pick a guy from this draft class. I'm going to go Scotty Barnes. I think Scotty yeah. Barnes just is having a breakout year. I think he has been the head of that draft class for me as of this point. He's kind of at the head of that 2021 group. He is, I think, part of the reason why Toronto maybe finally felt comfortable to move on from OG and it's really going to start resetting the roster. His growth has spurred something within an organization and what that roster is going to look like. And the level up is here as a creator, as a lead guy on an offense. I can't wait to see how far he can push it. I can't wait to see what other moves they make to accentuate what he does. So I, I, for me, I go Scotty Barnes. I think he's been one of the breakout younger guys. And like, even if it's on a team that isn't winning as much, then maybe drives playoffs, all-star voting. But that's a guy that is having a really, really great year. And again, another guy that has improved his shot. He's shooting 38.2% from three this year. He was at 30% as a rookie. He was at 28% last year. And he's taking nearly six threes a game. That's a whole new player that has come out of that one thing. It's unbelievable to watch him just actually blossom as a shooter in that way, assuming that it holds for the rest of the year. Absolutely. I think Maxi and Brunson have the winning and the track record a little bit more. Barnes maybe should have been the third pick 
in this thing. I yeah. think he has a better like, case. Maybe Porzingis because he's on a great team and he's a vet. But Barnes probably has a better case than a lot of guys who we picked before him. Yes. All right, you're last. He's the best player on on his team. I mean, yeah, he's like a legitimate positive two way player. That's that's pretty crazy. Do I have one more? Is there any? I don't think there's yeah. anybody left. Um. So we did. I've done White, Brunson, Bancaro, and Scotty. So we've done four each, I believe. Let's just cut it at four then, because I think right. we're gonna finish our whole list if we. Uh, yeah. If we. And I don't. I don't actually believe anymore, so I can't. I'm not gonna be able to make the case. We have Mikhail Bridges on here. I. Yeah, I, I just. Yeah. I don't think he's an all-star. Uh, I. I don't think he. I don't think the offense is there enough, the efficiency enough, the team success, whatever. And we had Chet Holmgren on this list who, if he wasn't a rookie, would he just be a shoe-in? Are we just holding against him that it's not like his time yet? Yeah, that's why I think you should just put him on here. I think that I think you're cowarding yeah. out of not picking him, honestly. Because I don't think he's going to be an all-star. Yeah, but I think so it, I, I think to, you know. I think it's about the the chances, the case making making the argument. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about about the, well, the case. The he's, is he's one of the most valuable on off players in the entire NBA, and he like I I feel like we're already kind of taking him for granted. What he's able to just peel off some of these random nights. Like I know they played the Wizards on Monday, but he just scored thirty on like seventy percent shooting from the field, and it was just like yeah, okay. It's just a chat box score. It's just what he does now. You know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's a great player. I, 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 he feels like one of those guys where if he doesn't make it, which I don't, again, don't probably think he will, it'll be playoff time and some person will go on like a monologue on an NBA podcast of like, he should have been an all-star. Or, Why did we overlook him? Whatever. And they'll be right. But I don't, history tells us he's, he might not even make it next year unless he's great. Like we make these guys wait so long before we let them kind of get there whatever it's kind of goofy yeah. but i think it's uh it's gonna happen so we're gonna ramp wrap this up by looking at is there someone not in the running that we're disappointed they aren't i'm just gonna say i think jamal murray has would if he'd been a little bit healthier i think would have had a case i think he's had a sneaky really good season on a really good team i just think he maybe is not gonna ultimately be healthy enough to to get there the numbers i think are there he's shooting 40 like nearly 42 percent from three He's averaging 28 game. He's averaging six assists. His turnovers are down a little bit. I think he's having the year qualitatively, but he's only at 24 games. So I think that's to me where it's like a health thing with him, which is not a new story for him, obviously. Um, it, it's been a little up and down from health wise the last several years. And it, that's just, he's just going to miss some time. And I think that holds him back in this. If I have a name, Evan, oh God, it gets it, Evan again. If I had a name, it is Evan Mobley that I'm disappointed that is not the list. I know he's hurt right now. But the leap has not come. It has come for Sangoon. It has come for Scotty Barnes. Hasn't come for Evan Mobley before he got hurt. And it, it, it raises some, I think, philosophical questions about where he's at in the him and Allen pairing and a bunch of different things in Cleveland that we can get into at some point. But I think it's a little disappointing to me that before the injury, I didn't feel like there was a massive leap for Evan Mobley that came. And I, I kind of, I thought he, I had predicted coming into there, this was guy that was going to break out and have an all-star season this year, and it just wasn't happening before he went down. Yeah, we'll definitely do our 2021 draft retrospective at some point. And we've gotten into like five guys in this episode alone that it's a really interesting have interesting situations. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'll throw Victor Wimanyama out there as somebody that I think in another world could have had a real case, even with what I was just saying about Chet and how we make guys wait. Chet, or Wemby is a little bit of a unique case, I think, because he, uh, we don't seem to want to make him wait for anything right now. No, he was, he was put on like, the, he was put in the red zone like coming into the league for all this stuff, yeah. I think. So I have a hypothetical for you though. If we look back to the lottery last summer, do you remember the other two teams that had top three odds to get him equal to what the Spurs had? Pistons or one? Yeah. Was it Charlotte? It was Houston. Oh boy. If he ended up in Houston, where everything else about their summer was the same, maybe they don't go so overboard with like, you know, Jeff Green's contract or Jock Landale because they have Victor, but they signed Van Vliet, they signed Brooks, most importantly. And they have the structure to obviously make... I know Shengun's on that team, but I think they could play together. They obviously have a structure to make their young players develop, as Shengun is indicating. Would Vic be an all-star in that world? I think it's... I think it's possible because he's on a team that just a, a maybe he's more unleashed in that situation just because he would be kind of on a team that is caring about winning and the Spurs I don't think actively care about winning. You know he doesn't always play a ton of minutes. Um, they haven't played a real point guard for a lot of the season. They have you know they do have more wins than the Pistons, but that's the only team they have more wins than. And having seen them both recently, I don't think the Spurs are actually worse than the Wizards. I think they're just kind of like not fully on the gas pedal. Maybe with the Rockets, he would have been fully in the gas pedal unless in the All-Star conversation. I think that's possible just because everything they did all year for the last year was we want to win basketball games. We want to be a serious team. That would have probably led to, to Wemby playing more games and, and being in a situation where he's done that. I will say it's just it's kind of nice in some ways to see him get to be in a situation where he's getting to get his feet a little bit. And I think also the roster is ultimately going to make more sense around him. And it's also like, I say even if Sangoon and him could have played together, I don't know if Sangoon's having this season. That's been really fun to watch and a breakout. If it's him and Wemby on the same team, like I just think that would there, there'd be some friction there just kind of naturally based on position and, and what those guys do. And I just want to now see Vic play the five, which we're finally starting to see. Because that Collins is hurt, and I just kind of want to see him play the at the five with a real point guard a lot in this first. Yeah, That's defensively, my, my it, it would have been a it would have been a slog, I think, and that yeah. that would have created. I think we already if if we maybe think Vic would have had an all star case, I think we already also in that hypothetical would have been having arguments about if they needed to trade Shengun. So yes, you know, you take the good with that. I also think Kimi Odoka. There's a very real world where he just like benched Vic in like six fourth quarters along the first two months of the season, and we all are just angry about a whole different way of handling the Vic rookie season yeah, experience. I, I'll, I'll, so I also just feel like the energy that Dylan Brooks puts in the world and that Victor Wembanyama puts in the world are like two things that maybe can't exist in the same plane at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, Vic seems like a little a little more like chill, and then Dylan Brooks is Dylan Brooks. Yeah, there's probably not. It, it probably wasn't going to happen as a rookie, but I also just want to take every opportunity to express how frustrating this year one has been for Victor because it's just, it's like actively not fun to watch most nights, even with how incredible he is. And that just kind of sucks. Yeah, because when I saw him in person, he kind of like, dis- like, he comes in and it's a big deal. 
And then he kind of like sometimes disappears in the game a little bit because he's just like the team, like he's out for long stretches and he sometimes he just doesn't impact on the game directly. And then he has like four possessions in a row where you're like, oh my God, I've never seen this before. You know, it's yeah. it's freakish how he just, it's not he jumps into it. It's not like he's like waiting and passive. It's just, I think his position and I think that team kind of means that there's times where he's not there. And then you see like the Bucks game and it's like, holy shit. When it's just like isolating specific things he can flash, like blocking Giannis one-on-one or transition dunks or, you know, it's like, then you see it. But they're just such a mess of a team that can't string it together because they can't stick with what works a lot of the time. And it's just, uh, it's frustrating. But hopefully, hopefully they're right. And this pans out for the betterment of everybody long-term and, you know, we all look back on it as, oh, that was actually the right move, but I'm not convinced. We'll see. Yes. All right, we're going to end there. This has been the Just Basketball Show for January 10th. I am Chris Manning. That is Brennan Clean. Please follow, subscribe, rate, review, five stars only under podcast platform of choice. If you've not already, follow us on YouTube, hit subscribe and that notification bell. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and wherever you get social media. Back on Thursday or Friday morning, late Thursday, with more Just Basketball. We're going to have a recap up, most notably, of a Celtics-Bucks game from Thursday that we'll get into on our next show. Excited to talk about a game directly after it for that one. Tune in then. Talk to you then. Enjoy the hoops.